0: You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource.
1: The printing of trillions of dollars seems to be the new normal, but is it normal? And who will pay back all this money? And can it be paid back? I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. These are questions that few people want to ask, and even fewer people know how to answer except for one guy who we're having back on the show. Peter Schiff is an economist, financial broker dealer, author, frequent guest on national news and host of the Peter Schiff Show podcast. He's the chief economist and global strategist of Euro Pacific Capital, chairman of Schiff Gold and founder of Euro Pacific Asset Management and Euro Pacific Bank. And he's here with us again on The Real Wealth Show. So Peter, welcome back.
0: Oh, thanks for welcoming me back to The Real Wealth Show.
1: You look very tan and healthy, so I guess uh, wherever you're living is working for you.
0: Yeah, well, I think the camera makes me a little red, but uh, I'm in Puerto Rico, so it's a great place to be.
1: Yeah, for many reasons, many reasons, uh, which we could talk about in a bit. But first, I know we've talked about, for the past 10 years, uh, concerns about uh, the money supply and where is this headed and how are we going to get out of it? What are your thoughts today, given uh, what's happened in 2020?
0: Well, you know, it's hard to even keep track of the money supply now officially because the Federal Reserve isn't reporting about it as often as they were. Uh, But we know for a fact that it is exploding because you can look at the government's own numbers of tax revenues versus expenditures. And right now, for every three and a half dollars the government spends, they only have a dollar in revenue. So where is that money coming from? I mean, we're not getting it for free. So 70% of government spending is being borrowed. But who is the government borrowing from? Well, a large portion of it is the Federal Reserve. And when the government borrows from the Fed, the Fed prints the money to loan to the U.S. government. And so that is the inflation. Money supply is exploding. That's why you're seeing all these strong numbers for consumer spending because consumers are simply spending the money that they're getting from the government. In fact, a lot of people are getting more money from the government now, unemployed, than they used to get from their employers when they had jobs. But there's a big difference. When you are working and being compensated for your productivity, that's not necessarily inflation because you're adding goods and services to the economy that other people can buy. But if you're just sitting at home and collecting a government check, you're not adding any goods and services into the economy, but you're getting money to take goods and services out of the economy. But what that means is that prices go up because that's all that's gonna happen. In the short run though, we're seeing a huge influx of imports because we're importing the things that we're not producing. And that's why you're seeing the container ships, uh, you know, queued up, uh, you know, with these record uh, long lines Uh, We are seeing trade deficits larger than any trade deficits we've ever seen, particularly in merchandise, manufactured stuff, unprecedented records. And this is a result of all this money printing. But none of it is economic growth. Don't confuse what's happening with a growing economy. There's no economic growth at all. We're spending printed money as the real economy contracts.
1: So when we see potentially 6% GDP, this year, we shouldn't be necessarily rejoicing?
0: No, because you have to keep it in the context. How did we get it? Oh, we borrowed a bunch of money and spent it. And where'd the borrowed money come from? Well, the Fed printed it. That is not a healthy economy. A healthy economy is when you don't need to run big deficits. Uh, it's when the government is collecting taxes from businesses and individuals who are making more money And the government doesn't have to spend as much money to try to support the economy because it doesn't need this doesn't need to help. But when the government is spending record amounts of money on unemployment benefits and on other social spending programs, that does that's not a sign of a strong economy. When the trade deficits are at record highs, that's not a sign of a strong economy. So nothing about the economy is strength other than the printing of money. But, you know, any country can print money. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, when you do that, the result is a disaster. At least that's what's happened historically. And, and I don't they think- are,
1: right? Yeah. We're not the only ones doing this.
0: Well, I'm, I'm referring to other nations in the past that have basically tried to base their entire economy off of this concept. I mean, all countries around the world are printing too much money, but they're not really doing what America is doing. You know, because our, our trade deficits are only possible because other countries have trade surpluses. So the countries that are running trade surpluses, well, they have viable economies. Their economies are actually growing because they're able to produce all this stuff that we're buying. It's the American economy that's not growing because we have to rely on what other economies that are growing produce because we're not producing. Um, but th- this only works until the dollar crashes. And I think a dollar crash is, is, is coming our way uh, very soon.
1: Do you think that there is uh, an end in sight for the rising prices of lumber and uh, building costs, building supplies?
0: Well, um, in terms of U.S. dollars, probably not. Um, but yes, in terms of gold, sure, the prices are going to come down. But I think it's going to be a while before we see the price of any commodities coming down in dollars, at least in a significant way. I mean, sure, you know, there can be slight declines, but I think it's more likely that if we're going to see a decline, it'll be in the equity market, stock market. Uh, We had record highs recently in the U.S. stock markets. And so those prices, to me, if any prices are going to fall. It may be those, although even those prices may not go down in dollar terms. You know, you get enough inflation and the price of everything is going to go up. Uh, But that doesn't mean the value of those things are going up. In fact, you know, if you price them in gold or other uh, commodities or even other foreign currencies, you'll see a different uh, picture. You can see the markets really losing value even as the dollar price is going up.
1: Well, it's really confusing because uh, on the one hand, the Fed or the government is saying that inflation is low, and that uh, you know we can't hit the two percent target, and yet we in housing we're seeing double digit you know increases, and the stock market's gone up as well. So, is it that all this money is going into stocks and real estate, uh, or why well, why aren't we seeing inflation?
0: Well, we are. I mean, the government is trying its best to hide it from us. Uh, one of the ways they do that is by measuring it incorrectly with the CPI. Uh, that index is specifically designed to hide inflation, not to <laughs> reveal it. And so the way the uh, the methodology for calculating the index was developed, it was developed in such a way that it would understate the degree to which consumer prices are rising. So that's one of the reasons you don't see it is because the government lies. Uh, but you know, also, you know, companies try to find clever ways to avoid raising prices. You know, they, they, they do other things. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, they, they give you a smaller quantity. Uh, you know, they, they substitute uh, lower quality ingredients. Look, my son just is flying to Puerto Rico today, and he told me that his suitcase was um, uh, six pounds overweight. And so in addition to the $35 that he paid to check the bag, it was an extra $150 for the overweight fee. Now, I don't remember the fees being that high. Uh, And I I think when the government measures the price of tickets, they don't look at those things like excess baggage charges. Uh, They just look at uh, the ticket. I mean, I remember when all the bags were free and now they charge you for checking bags. So, you know, that's probably not included in in the CPI because they probably just look at the ticket price and they don't adjust from the fact that, well, now you don't get baggage. In fact, you don't even get a meal if you're traveling in coach, you don't get anything. You don't get a pillow, you don't get a blanket. Uh, you know They've really cut back on the quality of the service uh, so that they can avoid uh, having a bigger increase in the price. Then they have higher fees if you want to change your flight, you want to you know, book a different time. So a lot of this stuff doesn't get incorporated in there. But also, you know, you talk about real estate. I mean, what's going on here in Puerto Rico is phenomenal. I mean, prices, I think, have literally doubled just in 2021, maybe tripled. Wow. Uh, it is absolutely insane what's happening. I guess it's not the entirety of Puerto Rico, but it is just uh, my neighborhood, my community. Uh, but literally, I mean, people are turning down offers, unsolicited offers of two to three times what they paid for their properties because they have nowhere to go if they, if they sell. So, I mean, so th- this and I know that the rest of the, the country is not this extreme, uh, but I've heard anecdotal evidence from other people, clients who are telling me what's going on in their local real estate markets. And, and this despite record numbers of Americans who are not in the workforce. So how are all these people who aren't working affording houses <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and how are they spending all this money? Well, we already know the answer. They're getting it from the government but the only reason that money has value is because foreigners are t- still dumb enough to accept it in exchange for the stuff that they produce because the stuff that they produce has real value. The money we print doesn't.
1: Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm guessing that the people in your neighborhood are the ones that are working. Uh, I'm guessing those are higher end homes.
0: They, yeah, they are, it's a high end neighborhood. And, and basically all the offers are for all cash. Wow. You know, it's like, I'll, I'll pay you cash tomorrow. You know, it's like, there's no, there's no financing. In fact, I don't even think banks would lend this kind of crazy money because mm-hmm. I don't know how they would appraise the homes high enough to justify the loans. But, but this is like a kind of a desperate attempt. But the, I think people have a lot of money now who are coming down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they just they want to buy the lifestyle. And in order to buy the lifestyle, uh, you got to convince somebody else to give it up. And they don't (laughs) want to give it up, you know, part of it is the tax savings, but you know, you can get the tax savings. You don't have to live in my community to get the tax savings, but this is the nicest community in Puerto Rico. And this is where people want to live.
1: Well it, it from my perspective, it's, it does seem like there is this massive demographic shift. It's not even demographic. it's it's uh, those who can work anywhere and those who can't. So if suddenly you're making the same salary you could make in New York City, but you can live in, on the beach in Puerto Rico, why wouldn't you? You can still fly into New York City, right? if you need to work for the day. I, I guess I don't know how far it is, but
0: that's <laughs> yeah, like a three and a half hour flight.
1: Okay, so so for the for a couple of days. Uh, all right, well, you know, you and I, mostly you, have been talking about uh, this impending crash, and it hasn't come. Uh, and so will it come, or is this more scare tactic? And I'm not saying you're, it's a scare tactic. It's you know, legitimately true that this doesn't make sense, but can they keep doing it?
0: Well, they've been doing it, right? They've been kicking the can down the road to delay the day of reckoning. So we would have had the crash sooner... Had the government not done that, had the Federal Reserve uh, pursued a more responsible policy, uh, we would have already had the crash that I was warning about. Now you're going to say, well, isn't it their job to prevent those crashes? Well, not if the prevention makes the inevitable crash even worse. That's not their job. They're not the job is to help delay a day of reckoning. If all they do is succeed in making that day much worse, because we have a lot more to reckon with, because the only way they're able to delay it is by making the underlying problems worse, right? Mm -hmm. It's like an individual has a lot of debt, and instead of going bankrupt, they borrow more money. But now they have even bigger debt. So now it's an even bigger bankruptcy. Uh, But the fact that they were able to delay bankruptcy because they found another credit card that they haven't maxed out yet, you know, that's not solving the problem. That's making the problem worse. Um, and the question is, how much longer can they succeed in doing this? And given the enormity of the problem now that has been created as a result of their successful, you know, successfully postponing this day of reckoning, I, I just can't imagine that there's a lot more we can do before mm-hmm. the whole crash happens. So, I, you know, at this point, I would be surprised if we made it to the end, which is what, 2024, 20, uh, without the crash, you know, and, and the crash starts in the dollar and then works its way throughout the rest of the economy.
1: You know, I, I feel like we had this conversation 10 years ago when we were scratching our heads saying, wow, this is a lot of money that they're printing. This is trillions probably of dollars did. <laughs> Here we are 10 years later going, wow, this is a lot of money. This is trillions more. Uh, are we 10 years from now? Are we going to be saying, wow, how did, how, how are they still doing this? I mean, uh, you know, at what point well,
0: <laughs> does it? Well, stop? I mean, so 10 years ago, they were doing trillion dollar deficits. They hit $2 trillion dollars. Well, now we're doing like four four trillion dollar deficits. So if we continue to do that for another 10 years, we'd have to be running 16 trillion dollar annual deficits. Um, there is simply no possible way that it could ever get to that path. And the reality is, The current trajectory is necessary to sustain this bubble. And and so that's how you know that it has to pop along the way because the numbers that would be required to sustain it grow so large that it is impossible. Like if you have a drug habit and you keep taking more and more drugs and it's like, well, I keep building up a tolerance, so I need more drugs and more drugs and more drugs. Well, at some point, there is an amount of drugs that is lethal. And you'd have to say, well, I can't take that much because then mm-hmm. you're going to die. And I think in order to stay on this trajectory, there is a lethal amount of debt that just kills the economy. And somewhere between where we are now, four trillion a year and sixteen trillion, we're gonna hit that point. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would think it'd be closer to four trillion than sixteen trillion. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay it's very sobering it's very sobering yeah unfortunately it's it's uh, a whole lot of people addicted to this drug it's become the new normal that uh, well let's let's just do another package two million dollars and create jobs at least at least jobs could be created from the in- infrastructure bill potentially well, if that's what the bill is actually people,
0: for <laughs> people don't even want jobs anymore they just want money <laughs> why? I mean what why have a job when you could make more not working I mean Americans don't want jobs I mean jobs, are a means to an ends. You want jobs because you need to pay your rent. You want a job because you need to put food on the table. You want a job because you need to, you know, buy clothing and stuff like that. Well, if the government makes you a deal where, hey, you can sit back, you don't have to pay your rent, uh, you know, so you don't need rent money. uh, You know, we're going to send you money. Uh, You don't really need to go to work anymore. We're just going to give you what you used to earn. In fact, we'll give you more than you used to earn. Uh, then that's a much better deal. So it's not people don't want jobs from the government, they just want money from the government and the mm-hmm. government is giving it to them. you know mm-hmm. and what, what is the, what are the politicians getting? Well, they're getting votes right If the government is giving you a lot of money, well you're going to vote for the politicians who are making those gifts possible and you'll, and you'll vote against any politicians that threaten to take those gifts away.
1: <laughs> oh. Okay, so uh, what is the solution? Is there a solution? Uh, what can inv- individuals do?
0: Well, there are obviously solutions for the you know that the government could do, but they're not going to do them because mm-hmm. the, the the problem that politicians are trying to solve is how do they get reelected? That's the only problem that matters to them, and you don't get reelected by taking stuff away from people. You get reelected by giving them more free stuff. Mm-hmm. So. There are no political solutions that work for the politicians, so they're not going to happen, And so we're going to have an economic disaster. But, yeah, there are things that individuals can do to mitigate the damage to themselves, right? We can't uh, alter the course of the class for everybody else, but we can at least mitigate the damage personally to our own net worths, our own portfolios, by understanding what everything is going to look like at the other side of this, and owning the right assets, you don't want to own a lot of uh, paper. You don't want dollars. You don't want dollar-denominated bonds. Uh, you don't want a bunch of cash value in an insurance policy or an annuity. Uh, you know, money owed to you. Um, you know, if you win the lottery, you know, you want the lump sum. Don't take the payout over. 20 years (laughs) because it probably won't have much value. So, you got to get out of those claims to paper and you got to, you know, construct what I'm doing for clients. I'm buying foreign assets, I'm buying businesses uh, through publicly traded stocks that pay very good dividends in countries that I think are going to come out of this on top that are going to be the winners uh, in this big transfer of purchasing power internationally from the US abroad. I want to own resources uh, uh uh resources and you know natural resources commodities that are going to benefit from all the inflation the money printing the com- the countries that have a lot of these resources in abundance companies that are owning the resources and producing them harvesting them you know exploring for them uh, i i like the emerging markets i think the emerging consumers are going to come out of this uh way ahead uh, I think their currencies are going to go up and they're going to start buying a lot more as Americans start buying a lot less. So you want to have a lot of exposure to the emerging markets, uh, those economies, precious metals, uh, mining stocks in particular uh, are buying a lot there. And, I, you know, people who are buying real estate, I mean, yeah, if you get real estate in the suburbs, in the country, particularly if you can you know, have a, you know, some land that you can farm. You know, farmland, I think, is going to be particularly lucrative. Uh, But I know that, yeah, there's going to be a big migration for lots of reasons out of the big cities, out of the New Yorks and uh, San Francisco's and L.A. and Chicago and Boston and Philadelphia and all these big cities that have high taxes, high crime. And now all of a sudden, you don't have to be there to work at your job. You can work from home. There are so many reasons to get the hell out of Dodge. And so there's a lot of downward pressure on those urban, uh, um, you know, properties, but a lot more people uh, 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 bidding or competing for other properties. And as you mentioned, the construction costs are going to go way up to build new homes. Right, the lumber, the copper, even the labor. Because again, you got to convince somebody to work. Well, they don't want to work. They want to stay home and collect unemployment. So, it's going to be a lot, it costs a lot of money to build a new home. Uh, that means the homes that are already there have an advantage in that you don't have to build them, you just have to maintain them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've noticed uh, just based on some travels that there's parts of Canada, certainly parts of Europe, um, Asia, where real estate is quite. Quite a bit more expensive than in the U.S., and and I'm guessing that's why we have a lot of foreign investors. But I mean, you're still we're still finding we're actually able to build new homes in Florida for under two hundred thousand dollars for a house,
0: and we're still probably not for long.
1: Not for long. No, not for long. That's why our investors are flocking to them. They know that prices are going up every every day, Uh, but um, and we can still find properties in emerging markets in the U.S. that are that are in the hundred thousand dollar range. I I mean that's kind of rare in some of these other countries Mm -hmm. it seems like that is a that is a way to sort of buy commodities in a way because you've got you've got things that have value versus the the crashing dollars right and
0: then of course for a lot of people you know prices are going to get so high that people can't buy so there may be a better pool of renters that you can get as, as as tenants assuming that they can keep paying their rent
1: So when you say the dollar will crash, what what do you mean by that? Do you mean just lose value, lose value internationally? I mean, what what do you mean by
0: that? Well, both. I mean, it's going to lose value internationally and domestically, but you'll see the decline first when you compare the dollar to other currencies. You'll see that decline in the exchange rate. But all currencies are going to be losing value together, even as the dollar loses more value Than other currencies so i think the absolute loss of purchasing power for the dollar will exceed its loss as far as its exchange rate with other fiat currencies meaning that the dollar's exchange rate with gold right i think there you're going to see a much bigger decline than for example the euro so gold is going to get much more expensive than the euro will in to buy with the dollar but they're both going to get more expensive, as will a number of other currencies around the world, because we are just printing more and our economy is more you know, screwed up. It, it, it's more unsustainable in the way it's been structured over the years uh, to you know, benefit from the reserve status of the dollar, where we could just run on these perpetual trade deficits and budget deficits. And we've become dependent on that. To a degree that exceeds uh, anything in any other country, and so the dollar is going to be hit harder, and therefore the average American will feel this, uh, you know, to a much greater degree th- than will you know Europeans or you know, Asians or other people who, who whose economies are not this screwed up and this dependent on uh, on exporting their currency and importing everything else.
1: Yeah, it just seems like there's two camps. There's there's this divide that's only going to get bigger in America where people who do have those assets that inflate are going to probably probably do well. Whereas those who don't and are forced to rent and watching rents go up and the price of goods go up and they don't have anything that goes up with it, you know, that inflates with it. If they don't have the gold, they don't have the stocks or the yeah. or the real estate or, you know, the, the investments that you suggested. and And that's really my concern is as that divide gets bigger, there's more anger, more yeah, uh, yeah, and disruption.
0: there's more of them than there are of us, and that is a problem when <laughs> they can outvote us. And so there may be people that think they're doing good because they're escaping the affla- inflation tax, which is what inflation is—a tax—and it falls hardest on those that can least afford to pay it: poor and middle-class uh, Americans. Uh, but if you think you've escaped it. Or maybe even benefit from it because you own real assets. Well, what if they come after you with a wealth tax? You know, as unconstitutional as that may be, uh, it could happen. Or confiscatory income taxes, because the the wider that wealth gap grows, the more pressure there is to close it with confiscation and redistribution. Even though the wealth gap itself is being widened. By government policy. It's not some fault of capitalism, right, or a failure of capitalism. It's a failure to have capitalism that is responsible. I mean, of course, you're always gonna have a degree of wealth disparity, and that's a good thing because people get rich by inventing things and increasing production of goods and services by satisfying the needs and desires of consumers. And, you know, we're not all equal, we're not equal in our ability. We're not equal in our drive or our ambition. And so there are gonna be some people that you know, are better at improving the lives of others than, than some people. And those people deserve to get richer. They contribute more and they deserve more. So you're gonna have uh, inequality, but that inequality is a price that we pay for prosperity. We have a lot more prosperity when we have uh, inequality. If we make everybody equal, well, we're just going to be equally poor. And, and what's good about that? Why do we want to make other people poorer if we make ourselves poor in the process? But the degree that we have today of inequality, the extremes that we have today are not the result of you know what I just talked about. This is the result of government manipulation of interest rates and money supply and all this stuff that is allowing people to get rich. By doing nothing but sitting on their assets, right? These are not, and speculating and borrowing money from the Fed and taking that money and buying stuff and just letting it go up, right? So, this is not the type of wealth creation that lifts all boats because we're not really creating wealth. We're just marking up the prices of the wealth that's there. Um, so, this is going to end badly. But my, my thinking is that. Capitalism is going to get another black eye as a result of this, right? Capitalism is not going to look as pretty in the eyes of the average American voter because they don't understand that it's government, not the free market, that is responsible for all these problems.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it's an interesting, um, obviously, a very interesting election that we just had. But, you know, people elected a president who flat out said, I'm going to raise taxes you know i mean yeah. when i was young uh we didn't we didn't vote for that president you know who yeah. was-
0: well i mean it could have been worse right i mean they could have gone for bernie sanders uh but the reality is they may go for bernie sanders uh in the future
1: <laughs> oh my goodness all right well, Peter, it's, uh, I was going to say, always a pleasure to have you on. I, I won't go that far because it's kind of depressing, but it's always good to see you. I'd rather see you in Puerto Rico. We'll have to come and check out what's going on there. If you would, just uh, can you just give an overview of some of the tax breaks people are getting by moving to Puerto Rico? And if you, you think well, that will continue?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I hope it continues. Knock wood there, <laughs> but... Uh... But I've already saved quite a bit of money, even if it stops, right? So, I mean, it's, you know, it was a good move. Um, but, well, the, the, the best thing about living in Puerto Rico is Puerto Rico uh, ha- writes its own tax rules locally. So just like a state, right, Puerto Rico has its own income tax, like not all states, not Florida, but a lot of states have an income tax and sales taxes and different things. But what doesn't apply here are the federal taxes on income or capital gains. So if you derive your income exclusively from the work that you do in Puerto Rico, you do not pay any U.S. income taxes on it. You know, as whereas if you if you're in Florida and you just work from Florida, um, even though you don't pay any Florida taxes on that income, you pay federal taxes on everything that you earn. Well, I don't pay federal taxes on any of my earnings inside Puerto Rico. The only taxes I pay to the U.S. federal government has to do with the money that I earn outside of Puerto Rico. Right? So I pay zero capital gains taxes. But if I own a stock you know, in Australia and that stock pays me a dividend, well, I pay U.S. income tax on that dividend. But if I sell that Australian stock at a profit, i pay no tax on that profit because the capital gains is sourced to Puerto Rico. The income on my investment is sourced to Australia. That's why I have to pay it. But most of my income, I'm earning working for my businesses here in Puerto Rico and that money is only subject to Puerto Rican tax. Now, Puerto Rico is only taxing me 4%, basically. Um, now i do pay social security taxes everybody in puerto rico still pays social security taxes because everybody in puerto rico is theoretically you know entitled to these social security benefits so they don't look at that as really a tax but they're just forcing us into this you know gigantic ponzi scheme that every other american is forced into so but that's a small amount of my income that comes from a salary that is subject to the um the payroll you know the the self the payroll tax social security medicare tax so so for me, it's a very small amount of money. But look, it, it's great. Anybody that moves here is going to see a huge decline in their tax liability. Um, but it's not like it's a sacrifice. I remember when I first came here, people were saying, well, it sounds great, Peter, but come on, you got to live in Puerto Rico. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's not like I have to live in Puerto Rico. I get to live in Puerto Rico. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's why I said, why do you think people are paying triple what for home prices here? Yeah. Because the lifestyle is amazing. The people are amazing, the community, the weather. It's a great place to live.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Peter. It's always All great right. My you. pleasure. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. You can go to realwellshow.com for more support, more webinars, more education, and referrals to different teams across the country who can help you find cash-flowing rental property. And also property that is not only cash flowing, but seems to be going up in value as the dollar devalues. And you can check that out at realwellshow.com.